we're in this series on Colossians, and last week we started talking a little bit about suffering, which is not a popular topic, but I probably have more people who have come up to me and said, you know what, I'm so glad you preached that message on suffering because of what my life has gone through and what has touched me and what has damaged me in some way. And and I think as as preachers, we want to try to avoid those things. It's always nice when you talk about happy things and butterflies and sunshine and all those things. But quite frankly, we know that, that is, that's not real life. And so we want to be real. And a few things that we talked about in suffering, I'm not going to go over the whole thing. You can always go online and check it out. But uh, let me just share with you three of the points as we roll into this, uh, this next message today. The first point was that your suffering is not what defines you. And it is who you are in Christ, your relationship with Christ, being in Christ, that's what defines you, not your suffering. You are not just a bundle of suffering, although some days it may feel that way. Secondly, your, your suffering isn't forever. Some of us think that this stuff will never, ever end. And quite honestly, there are people who do suffer for a lifetime. And yet, in the, in the view of eternity, when we all get to heaven, listen, if you live to be 500 years old on this earth, it would still seem less than the blink of an eye when compared to eternity. So it isn't forever. It will end at some point. And the, and the last point was this, don't let your suffering go to waste. Suffering can do a couple of things for you. It can make you bitter, and it does for some people. You know people who, who've hurt and who, who, who've just internalized that, and it's just made them bitter people. But it can make you a better person. As you come through that, it makes you better able to identify with other people who suffer, which would be like everybody around you. And it enables you then to enter into their suffering with them and to bring grace and mercy and love into their situation as well. And so that's just kind of a, a little taste of what we talked about last week. But we want to, we want to move forward today because last week I didn't make it past the introduction. And so I'd like to actually get into the scripture because uh, we are studying Colossians. And Nancy said, you didn't read anything from Colossians last week. And, and she's right. I didn't get to it, but we're going to get to it today. And so um, if you have your Bibles, I'll ask you to go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 24 and then spill over into chapter 2, verse 5. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 24 uh, through chapter 2, verse 5 together. And we're going to consider a little bit of what Paul says about suffering this morning. Before we read this, let's ask God to attune our hearts to his word today. Father God, we do ask that you would help us to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, we know that you continue to speak, and you speak through this word. And as we open it, and as we read it, and as we spend some time walking through it, Lord, would you just give us a heart and ears and a mind that receive it? Lord, we are grateful that you don't leave us to wander through this world and to wander through the pains and sufferings of this life without speaking to us. How miserable that would be. And so today, Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand and begin to apply into our lives some of what we hear today. Speak truth and let our ears hear that truth and our hearts receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's, let's hear what Paul writes here as we are 
again in Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 24. And, and let's just kind of go through these verses first. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings. Let that one sink in a little bit. You may underline that in your Bibles. Let that one, let that one sit with you. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, that is my body, I'm, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to you, given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who've not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Man, when Paul begins this section, he begins it with some words that kind of rattle our cages a little bit. It, they're not the most comforting, comforting and comfortable words for us to hear. Now rejoice in my sufferings. For you. Now, I want to tell you, this is not Paul putting on a show. This is not Paul boasting. This is not Paul trying to impress the Colossian believers. He's simply stating a very real fact. And that fact is this the Apostle Paul was in chains for the sake of the gospel. He was in chains. He was locked up. He was bound because he trusted in Christ. And Christ trusted in him a mission to share the good news so that all could come to faith in him. And the Apostle Paul was willing to pay whatever the price was. He wasn't going to quit. He wasn't going to back down. Nothing was going to keep him from fulfilling his calling. He was sold out and he was willing to pay the price. And quite honestly, if he's there in chains, we know that it already has cost him. But that wouldn't all. It wasn't that, hey, I just got arrested one time. He tells the church in Corinth a little bit more of what he endured for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of those who might hear it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 24, he says this, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. That's 39. I can do math. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. 
A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure of me. Uh, daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. You read that and you go, wow. One man, what he was willing to endure in order to communicate the gospel to as many people as he could possibly communicate it to, to share with them the truth of eternity, the truth of God, and to make Jesus known. Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings. Now, that again, you look at that and you go, well, why? Why would anybody rejoice in our sufferings? I mean, how many of you stub your toe in the middle of the night and then start dancing around singing, oh, happy day? We go, this doesn't make any sense. How can you rejoice in your sufferings? Why would, why would suffering bring any kind of joy at all? And Paul would tell you, because my suffering has a purpose. It was not an incidental stubbing of my toe in the middle of the night. I have a purpose. And my purpose is to carry the gospel to Jew and to Gentile, to anyone who would listen to me. Because Paul knew something that we know but often don't let it impact us as it did him. We know that apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no hope of an eternity with God in heaven. None. That people will die and face a Christless, lightless, hopeless eternity in hell apart from a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ. And he knew that the eternities of men and women and children hung in the balance. His joy was that he was able to share the hope of heaven that he had found. Not that he had earned. He didn't earn it. I mean, as a matter of fact, he was doing everything he could not to earn it. And yet God encountered him on the Damascus Road, and from that point on, everything changed in his life, and God called him to go and to proclaim the very Jesus that he was denouncing. And he was willing to pay the price. Paul makes his calling clear here. He says, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. What's the mystery? The mystery was Jesus. And this is a cool thing, and, and I have an opportunity. Is, now, again, the, the, the longer you are in the faith and the more that you're in God's Word, the more that you're able to see this, and it brings joy to your heart every time you discover it. And that is, you're reading, you, you, you know about Jesus, you, you know what He did, you, you know who He was, and then you're reading through the Old Testament, and it just jumps out at you, and you go, oh, this is pointing to Jesus. This, this Passover lamb way back here in Exodus is pointing to Jesus. 
the scapegoat out in the wilderness. This is pointing to Jesus. This suffering servant that I read about in Isaiah, it's pointing to Jesus. And we begin to understand that there is foreshadowing and and imaging and prophesying that points us forward to Jesus. And what we come to understand is this Old Testament that we think is a dry and dusty document, that this Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi points to Jesus, giving them a, a sense of we need something more than a law to try to keep us right with God. What could possibly make us right with God? And the answer comes in Jesus who says, I am the only one who can make you right with my Father, and I will make it right by fulfilling the law myself, but dying a criminal's death, dying a sinner's death on the cross so that you might be set free. Paul said, I want to spend my entire life, this is my calling, I am here to unveil, to pull back the curtain so people can see Jesus in all His majesty, the Jesus who really is. Now when Jesus showed up, there are a few people that got it, at least partly. There were some shepherds out in their fields keeping watch over their flocks by night, and boom, the angels showed up and they said, hey, we better go see this thing that the angels have talked about. And they came away with some measure of faith. There were magi that came from a distance from the east who came and they had some measure of faith. There were disciples who kicked it around for a while and had some measure of faith. But you know what most people thought about Jesus? Man, this guy's a pain. He is, he's, he's bothering us. We, we, Romans, they thought that of him. Jewish leaders, they thought that of him. Instead of saying, hey, listen, here comes this Jesus. Look, look over here in the Old Testament. It pointed to Jesus. It pointed to Jesus. They're like, no, we got to kill this guy. And they did. They arrested him, gave him a, a mock trial. They beat him unmercifully. They crucified him and they buried him, hoping to never hear his name again. It's kind of ironic when you consider the Bible tells us there's coming a time when at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In heaven and earth, things under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's coming a time when the very people who said crucify him are going to have to drop to a knee and say, I was wrong. This is Jesus. This is God in the flesh. This is the Savior who came to save me, and I rejected Him. Some will say the name of Jesus with joy, and others will say it with deep regret because they turned their backs and abandoned the one whom God had sent for them. Paul's mission was to pull back the curtain and to make Jesus fully known. And he goes on to declare, Him, that is Jesus, we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. In other words, I'm not simply out to go and to win converts or have a bunch of baby Christians in the nursery. No, what I'm out to do is to win people to Christ and to help them grow up in Christ, to present them mature, he says, in Christ. For this I toil. Um, Toil is not a word that we use very often, but it basically means to labor 
to work hard. And for this, I toil, struggling. Now look at this. Does he say struggling with all my energy? No. Struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Now let's get this. Paul did not go around saying, hey guys, let me tell you all I've been through. And I'm going to write this book that helps you understand how you can be an over, overcomer just like I am. How you can think your way to prosperity. How you can work your way to security. No, that is not what he says at all. He says, listen, the only way that I'm able to do anything that I do, the only way that I'm able to endure anything that I endure, the only way that I can suffer for the sake of Christ It's not because I'm smart enough, and it's not because I'm strong enough. It's because I have all of heaven's reserves at my disposal. I have the very strength of God. I have the power that could speak and bring all things into creation. I have that kind of energy, that kind of power at work within me to enable me to do what God's calling me to do. And in doing so, Paul states that in my flesh, that's in my body, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. And we read that and we go, well, we'll back it up just a little bit. Because I'm tracking along with you, Pastor, pretty well up to this point, but filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? What in the world are we talking about here? So we we need to maybe camp here for a little bit. Last week, and probably for every, every week I've been a, 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 a preacher at all, I've stood up to declare that what Jesus did was completely sufficient. That when he said on the cross, it is finished, that he actually meant it. And that there was nothing we could do to add to our salvation. So what is it that Paul is saying here? What is lacking in Christ's afflictions? Well, first of all, in the good news, you can take a sigh of relief. He's not saying that there is any deficiency at all in the work of Christ or what Jesus did on the cross. That would contradict his entire message in in this letter to the Colossians. It would contradict everything that he's written to any church. It would contradict the entire New Testament and the Bible. So what was lacking in Christ's suffering that Paul was driven to make up? Well, the answer is... Suffering for his sake. You and I, as believers, are brought into the body of Christ. We're part of the body. Now, God never told us that as the body of Christ, our role is just to kind of kick back and wait for Jesus to return. You know, okay, I'm in. I'm in the club. I've got my membership card. I've got my reservation made for heaven. And now the only thing that's left for me to do is to hang around and wait till Jesus comes back. And when that day comes, I check out. But you see, that's not what we were called to do. You and I were given the same commission that the disciples were given, and that is to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And by the way, as you go, I'm going with you. I'll always be with you. That's our role. To be witnesses and 
in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Our role is to be a witness, to tell people what has happened to us through the power of God in Jesus Christ. That is our commission. That is our call, and we share in that. And with that can come suffering. For Paul, it certainly, it certainly brought suffering. And for many of our brothers and sisters around the world, it continues to bring suffering. Now, we're back to suffering. Okay, we talked about it all, all Sunday last week. We talked about suffering and talked about suffering and talked about suffering. And we know there are all kinds of suffering and we all suffer for different ways. But there's one kind of suffering that we here know as little about as anything. And that is the suffering brought on by persecution. We're blessed to live in a nation, and Michael mentioned this before, we're blessed to live in a nation where our forefathers had the wisdom and insight to write into our founding document that we, uh, that we have freedom of religion, which means you and I have the opportunity to gather here on Sunday morning to come together and to worship. It also means that you have the freedom to stay home if you want to, to do nothing at all, to believe nothing at all if you want to. But we have the freedom to do that. And beyond that, listen, we have the freedom in our country to share our faith with others. Now, they may not always receive it. Some people may shut the door on us. Some people may shut us out of their lives for doing it. But we have the freedom to do it. No one can say, hey, listen, you don't have a right to do that because that's actually written into our Bill of Rights. That is part of who we are as a people, that we have that freedom, that we have that opportunity. And we see it exercised a few a few weeks ago, um, we went to uh, watch uh, uh, Georgia dismantle Samford University, which is my daughter's alma mater, but we went we went to have fun. Okay, and it was good. And as we're walking across the bridge, if any of you have been to the UGA games, sometimes you'll walk across that bridge that's behind the end zone with the scoreboard. Um, there was a guy there with a microphone, and he was preaching. Some of you have been, you've heard him. He's, he's up there, and he's preaching. There are a few people who are kind of handing things out. Now, listen. Whether you would go, you know, that's effective or that's ineffective, that's irrelevant. In the United States of America, he can do that. Try doing that outside a soccer stadium in Tehran. It ain't happening. You won't be doing it for very long. It, when I, um, went to, I went to the University of North Carolina. Some of you know that if you've been here for a while. And uh, we had this place that was called The Pit. Uh, it was basically between the student center and the undergraduate, the bookstore and the undergraduate library. And it was kind of just, it was a uh, place had a few steps that went down in it, some trees sprouting. And, and about once a month, there'd be a preacher in the, in the pit and he'd be preaching. And sometimes I'd walk by and going, man, you're doing more harm, harm than good, dude. You just have no clue. But, but you know what? Anybody could get out there and say just about anything and they were free to do it. Um, our daughter Jackie lives in Birmingham, and there was a place on Lakeshore Drive at the interstate uh, that there's a guy there every Saturday morning, and he has signs stuck up all over the place. I've actually gone onto Google Maps and was able to zoom down in, and you can actually see this guy's setup beside beside the um, uh, beside the highway there, and he is there and he's preaching, and people have stopped at the traffic lights. Um, as a matter of fact, you go, how ineffective is that? I mean, that's really ineffective. 
And yet, he's got uh, records of hundreds of people who stopped, rolled down the window, and he had an opportunity to share Christ with them, and they came to Christ. Here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying every, all of us need to go out and be street preachers. That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is we have the freedom to be able to do that in our country, and, and we might experience some ridicule for sharing our faith, but we don't experience anything like Paul experienced. Remember what he wrote in 2 Corinthians? How many of us have been through any of that, let alone all of that? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I talked to Moses. Moses, some of you not, <laughs> I didn't have like a conversation like, yeah, with Moses, Moses, <laughs> Ten Commandments, Moses. No. Uh, Moses, uh, a missionary that we support in India, had a conversation with him and then followed up with Doug Hutchison, who kind of helps in the United States to oversee that ministry. And, and I was informed during that conversation that the government of India is trying to stamp out all of the religions other than Hinduism by the year 2020. That's just three years away. And they're actively working to suppress any other religion other than Hinduism. Uh, Carol Kuhn introduced me to a couple of missionaries um, who are working, and I'm not going to give their, because this goes online, I'm not going to give out their last names, but I'll just call them Bill and Ashley. Uh, Bill and Ashley are working in Myanmar, um, and they were working with a particular group of people called the Rakhine, and a faction among them have become quite militant, and were actually even pro, now they weren't at their home, but they were actually protesting in front of their home multiple times, and the, the people, and listen, these are not even believers who are there. Uh, one of them is even a monk. And he's like, dude, you've got to go. You can't stay here. We love you. We appreciate what you're doing. We, we appreciate the value you add in our community and that you love our people, but you have got to leave. And reluctantly, uh, they're, they're going to have to get out of that area simply because of the oppression and the persecution. What I'm trying to tell you is, for us, this seems like ancient history. This is not the world we live in, or at least not our part of it. But we need to understand that this is happening every day all around the world. That the gospel of Jesus Christ is being pressured and attempted to be crushed in some countries around the world. And Paul says, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to fill up what was lacking. That is, I am continuing the mission of Jesus, which means what's lacking is that I will continue to suffer for his sake for as long as I live. It's an ongoing, at any price, commitment to the gospel. Now, we said last week, suffering's part of life. We know that, everything from stubbing your toe to, uh, you know, uh, stuff we bring on ourselves and stuff other people bring into our lives and stuff that just randomly happens. You may never understand why we suffer what we suffer. But in our suffering, no matter where it's caused from, but especially if it's caused from the cause of Christ, then I want to give you... I want to tell you what you can do with it based on my understanding of the Apostle Paul and others who suffer even today. And the first thing is this, lean into Jesus. 
it's not something we do for Him. It's something He does through us. We need to lean into Jesus. We need to understand that I cannot do this in my own power. I cannot do this in my own wisdom. My words have zero impact. But Jesus, He can change a heart. He can change a mind. He can change a life. He can change a family. He can change eternity. We need to lean into Him. We need to... We need to trust our Father. That He is not sending us out alone and that He is not sending us out powerless. We need to lean on Jesus. We need to trust in our Father and we need to find strength through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who will strengthen us and encourage us day by day, even at at night when we lay down in our suffering on the bed, the Holy Spirit comes to minister to us and to bring relief and contentment and joy. And my hope is, is, as we've considered suffering, especially in light of suffering for the gospel here today, that we let this scripture really, really sink in to our spirits so that we might not shrink away when the going gets tough. Now I want to bring it down to where you live because I realize that nobody's outside of your home threatening to burn it down because you're a Christian. But when you are out and about with coworkers, with fellow students, out in your community, uh, all, all these... And I realize that there are limits to things that you can do in places of employment. I realize that. But do you, do you use those things as an excuse not to step out for Christ? In other words, do you shrink away when the heat gets turned up just a little bit? Do you pull back the name of Jesus because you don't want to be seen as a fanatic or some nutcase? Or do you have the boldness to step forward? The souls that Paul encountered were no less and no more important than the souls we encounter. The people in Paul's day faced an eternity without Christ. People in our day face an eternity without Christ. The question we need to wrestle with this morning is, what price am I personally willing to pay? to change that, to make a difference in this world for Jesus. What price is too high for the souls of those around you? Let's pray. Father, I want to ask that you would continue to change my heart and change my attitude 
that I might look at people and fall in love with them, not because they are lovable, but because you love them. And that that love might be so intense and that passion might be so pure that I'd be willing to take that extra step, not just to give them a smile and a greeting, but to bring Jesus along and to identify myself with Him and share Him so that those who hear might have the opportunity to receive Him, to believe in Him, to worship Him, and to fall in love with Him. Lord, we thank You for brothers and sisters all around the world who pay a price on a daily basis, a high price, in order to carry the gospel forward. Lord, I pray that You would give us an inner compulsion to do the very same thing. Lord, thank you for the freedom that we have to share Christ. Allow us to share it with boldness with those people around us. For this we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.